Okay. I'm excited. So Isaiah 53, 7. I'm just going to read three passages, and then I'm going to refer to it in my short sermon. And we're going to do communion, and we're going to pray for some healing, resources, all that good stuff. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers, silent. So he did not open his mouth, Isaiah 53, 7. That's 700 years prior to Jesus, the Lamb of Christ, being crucified. How many guys know the Bible proves itself? The Bible is not a book. It's a compilation of books. Did you guys know that? I talked to a lot, a lot of non-Christians. They're like, who wrote that one Bible? And I said, it's not one book, dude. It's many, many books together. And Isaiah was written 700 years prior to Jesus. He was projecting. He was prophesying to what was going to happen. Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. It doesn't mean that we have this, it doesn't just mean that we have an inheritance because of Christ died. Because it's, we get riches out of his inheritance, not from his inheritance, from his riches. So, so our inheritance is not from his riches is out of his riches. If a billionaire gives you $10, that's from his riches. But if a billionaire gives a million to you, it's out of his riches in according to who he is. But it also means that his inheritance, Christ's inheritance, is us. Man. That means his, his, his prize for... Dying and resurrecting on the cross is us. Come on, somebody. That's why you're worthy. Even when you were sinners, he, he died for you, and he says, you're my prize. Wow. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of his strength, of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Revelation 5, 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits of God sent into all the world. Amen. Ephesians 1.19, it talks about the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. See, the resurrection is evidence of his surpassing greatness of his power. Not just, just not just any power. Paul is actually, it's not a hyperbole. He's saying, I cannot explain it, but this is the best way I can explain it in Greek. Surpassing greatness of his power towards us that believe. The word surpassing in the Hebrew could be hyperbalo, which means to throw beyond the mark, it's like a javelin thrower in the Olympics. He would throw, and he would have an aim, and he's saying, 
aim beyond what you're aiming. That's what he's saying. Think about the greatest power source you can ever think. Now, Paul didn't have, like, he didn't understand nuclear power sources and all that. But he's saying, think about the greatest power source you can ever think of and go beyond that. That's God's power. And he's talking about immeasurable, which is incomprehensible. That word immeasurable can also be megathos, which is megaton. And we get the word megaton and be, for, the, for the nuclear bombs that we have and all over the world. We don't want nuclear bombs. But one nuclear bomb has 15 megatons. And Paul is saying, he didn't even think about, he didn't understand nuclear bombs. He's saying, it's a megathos. It's like a mega, mega, mega power. It's, it's the mega size. He's saying, you know, when you go to the United States, there's mega. You guys don't go to the United States. Everything in the United States is mega. It's everything is just big. I was talking to a friend the other yesterday when we were having Easter dinner, and he said, I went to San Diego Stadium or, no, uh, SoFi Stadium in Anaheim and watched a football game. And he said, it's like, it's like a cathedral. It's like the biggest thing he's ever seen. And I said, those Americans, they do it big. It's like mega. Everything's a mega. Now, I think I went to Burger King. There's a mega, mega. Paul is saying, think about the biggest thing. It's the mega, megaton power. When we think about the crucifixion of Jesus, it's not a sentiment. It's, it's an event, and the crucifixion, if left there, is just, it's just sad. It's a, tra- it's a tragic story. It's a travesty. It's injustice. We just, wow, the poor guy died because he taught some things people didn't like. And nobody would die for that. Nobody would follow that. But it's the resurrection, the megaton power, Paul is saying. Paul is saying there's power in the name of Jesus for those who believe. Anything can happen. All things are possible. That's Christian faith. Now, we may not see it every day, but it happens more than you think, and we have to put our faith in it. The resurrection of Jesus is not a sentiment. It's an event. It's a power source. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's things that happen in our lives where we, I got a call this week from somebody from our church, and they, I'm not going to tell you guys what happened. I'll let this person tell you what's happening in their life. I'm not even going to say he or she. Somebody called and said, I've never, ever experienced this kind of event where I just know that God is real. Something happened to me that nobody can fashion, I can even think about. It's beyond what I could have imagined. It's just amazing. And I said, good for you. You've been pressing in, and God has broken through. You trusted the Lord, and something big is happening in your life. You've gone through valleys. You've gone through trials all your life, and then, bam, God is faithful. He delivers. Amen. You guys want to see that happen? Wow. The greatest story that I could ever tell you, I've seen healings throughout Africa, South America, and I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen people wearing thick bottle glasses, and I can see them like after I pray for them. They can see those are amazing miracles. And I'm like, God is real. But the greatest miracle that I've ever seen in my life happened in Africa, 
and it involves a baggage. Now, some of you guys know it, but there's a lot of new people. I just wanted to show you because when, you, when I tell you the story, you're going to be like, that's not real. No, it happened. I just want to show you that God is real, that anything can happen. Now, I want you to show me the map of uh, the Google map. You guys, I just do it. <laughs> I do a Google map. So here's Kampala. I don't want to go here because I don't want to. Um, Kampala, that's Uganda. That's where I, I am. I mean, that's where I always go. But my first trip to Uganda, we were going to drive. <laughs> that was a stupid idea, driving all the way to Kisumu, which is, do you see that circle in the middle, Kisumu? That's Kenya. So we were going to drive across Uganda to Kisumu. Now, we did Google Maps. It says 6 to 8 hours, 10 to 11 hours. How many guys know Google Maps that do not understand African roads? <laughs> they don't understand. They just think, like, the distance. And it, it literally took about nine hours to go to Busia, to Mbale, and then close to where the gorilla reserves were. We were you know where it says game reserve? Equatorius, we were around there. I'm Bali. I went to some village where they haven't seen a foreigner since 1980. So I went there. And then we were coming back. There was a rainstorm. Trucks had to come in. They rescue us, rescue our bus. Because we had to get out of there. We had to go to Kisumu. They put all our luggage in this truck. And I looked at it and I went, we're going to lose some luggage. Because, you know, roads and it's going to fall off. We went all the way to, we prayed over the luggage, God, we don't want to lose any luggage. Please, Lord. Went to Busia, another four hours, which all probably took six hours. And then we crossed the border and drove to Kisumu. But when we crossed the border, we had to change trucks because our Kenyan partners came with their trucks. You guys following so far? So we unloaded all our bags and we put it into these Kenyan trucks. But before we unloaded, everybody had to grab their bag to make sure that they had their bag. So I had my bags. Thank you, Jesus. I put it in the truck. Everybody had their bag. We had like 25 of us on this team. And then one guy said, I lost my bag. And because we're kind Christians, and it was like very late at night, I just wanted to go. I'm like, forget about what's in your bag, some clothes. We'll just get some new clothes. He said, no, my contact's in there. I got to, you know, I got to. I, I need that, and, and um, I have other important things. And so it was 11 o'clock at night. We unloaded the bag again. And we went through it, and we tried to look. And with the flashlight, we looked, and, he, and everybody had their bag, and his bag was missing. And he said, we got to go. So put, put it in the truck, and we drove 11 hours to Kisumu. In the Kisumu, at daylight, it was morning. We took all the bags out. Maybe it got lost. It was in the mixture. He couldn't see it. No, he didn't have his bag. No bag. You had to wear some African clothes for three days. We were in Kisumu. So he bought some clothes and toothpaste from a general store. He's walking around like an African. No bag. He went there. Three hours. Three days in Kisumu. No bag. And then from Kisumu, we flew on a plane to Nairobi. We put our bags. You guys know airplanes, airports? You check in the bag. We checked in the bag. We went to Nairobi. He still didn't have a bag. We went to Nairobi. We're in Kenya, Nairobi airport. 
We, all the bags came in the conveyor belt. We got all our bags. We were about to go. And he stood by the conveyor belt and he said, Jesus, I want my bag. And I'm like, poor guy. Oh, <laughs> so sad. I know we have faith, but not that much. I don't know. Dude, the bag is lost in Uganda in a jungle, dude. Come on. No, he's like, I believe God can do all things. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I don't know. I don't know about this. He's like, you know, he's, he's praying before the conveyor belt. And somebody else joined him. Two or more gathered. He said, two or more, I agree with you. I'm like, oh, my God. I just, just want to get out of here, Nairobi. just want to go to the safari hotel. Come on, dude. You still have your passport. That's good enough. So what if you can't see? Who cares? We'll just get some new contacts in Africa. Come on. And then he said, Lord Jesus, I want my bag. He was like praying really hard. I'm like, oh, I'm the pastor, so I, just, I should let them encourage their faith. <laughs> Go ahead. Just keep praying. Well, I'll pray with you. Jesus, I didn't have much faith, to be honest with you. <laughs> Lord, if it's, your will, if it's your will, let it come out. And the conveyor belt even stopped. You know when it stops because there's no bags? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this Come on, let's go. Sure enough, after they prayed, within a few seconds, cocoon, conveyor belt starts circling. And I'm like, what's going on? And then after a couple minutes, one bag came out. And I'm, I'm thinking, no way, that's his bag. <laughs> came out, it was his bag. He opened the lock, his contacts were in there. That's all he cared about, my contacts! I can see now. Who cares about his clothes? I like these African clothes. My contacts. <laughs> and we were in Nairobi airport. We're all jumping up and down. Literally, we're like crazy people jumping up and down. Like, God is real. Oh, my gosh, God is real. You guys understand the craziness of how did that just appear? I don't know how. Till this day, I still can't figure it out how that happened. We checked over and over again. It didn't happen. We, somebody checked in his baggage somewhere, somewhere along the line. Somebody in Kasumu checked in the baggage on behalf of him, which is not even legal. Come on, somebody. Anything could happen. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why people are, people are like, you go through a lot of valleys, you're going through a lot of trials, and so aren't you just like depressed, hopeless? No, man, because anything can happen. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One moment I'll be crucified on Saturday or Friday, but there's always a Sunday, and resurrection could happen at any moment. Tomorrow, anything, everything could turn around in a second, in a split second, and I'll go through the trials because God is transforming me. Through my perseverance, my character is being transformed so that I would always hope in him and I would trust in him so that he can entrust me to release his presence. Anything could happen. That's the joy of following Jesus. What a boring religious institution. If he just come and just got some ideas and took some notes. Man, I teach at university. That's school. I don't want you to come on Sundays and go to school. This is not school. People ask me, do you preach like this? Do you talk like this in university? No, I do not. I wear my glasses and I'm like, point number one. Number two, according to studies, you do it. Go in your groups and discuss. That's my job. Boring. There's joy in teaching students and 
transforming them and being a role model for them. But man, this is the life. People ask me, would you rather preach or teach at school? I'm like, preach any day because I sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. But something lands because it's not me. It's Christ through me. Anything could happen. Come on. It's beyond our human comprehension. So don't try to measure his power. Just believe it. That's why it's called faith. It's the wow, 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 God is good. Man, he is good. That's why it says in Revelation 5, 6, it's had seven horns. That's a symbol of his omnipotence. That's what makes him God. His power is supreme. There is no other power greater than his power. He is the most powerful in the universe. That's Revelation 5, 6. He has not just power, but now he has the authority. How many of you guys know you can have all the power, but without authority, you can't exercise that power? Amen? When you have a gun, you have power. But you need a license to exercise that gun. Yes? Mm. Jesus, on his death on the cross, got the authority for us. Humanity gave away authority to the enemy because we could not trust the Lord. God himself gave us all dominion and mandate to fill the earth. That was earth, it belongs to us. But we gave it away to the enemy because we transferred our trust source from God to the enemy. And there is no one that was able to redeem that and undo that curse except Christ. See, curse came through a tree when you ate from the tree. And that's why the blessing had to come from a tree where Jesus died on the tree. That was deep. The Bible says, cursed is the man who is hung on a tree. Cursed is the man who is hung on a tree. And Jesus became the curse for us so we can exercise the authority and make a mockery out of the enemy. Colossians 2.15, it says this, He disarmed the rulers, authorities, and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. That word disarm means he stripped them of his power. It put them to shame. It means made a public spectacle out of the enemy for your behalf. That means we always got the last laugh. Sometimes you feel like the enemy in darkness is laughing at you. Ha ha, look at the world's going to be over. Look at climate change, nuclear bombs. Putin is so powerful. And the enemy's like, ooh, things going to happen. Ooh, the world's going to collapse. But we as believers, resurrection, Jesus has the authority. He's always got the last laugh. You may, think you've, you may think you've won this war, but you just won a battle, but I'm going to win the war. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that it's plain to see he made a spectacle out of them. Mm. Revelations 5, it says he doesn't, have just, he doesn't just have seven horns, power and authority. It says he has seven eyes, which is seven eyes means perfect vision. He has perfect omniscient vision. He, 
He knows all things. He knows all things. Revelations 5.1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated at the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with the seven seals. This is, Revelation is just a symbol. He's saying the lamb is holding the seal. And it's written on the back and inside, on both sides. And John is saying, look it, there's nothing else to be written. There's nothing in history that God is not omniscient about. There's nothing in history that he doesn't know about. He knows all things. He is history. He knows. He's not caught by surprise by the things that are happening on the earth and to us. He's not caught by surprise. He got it. He understands. He is, he is the lamb on the earth who died for us. But Revelation 5, he said he is the lion of Judah. He is the lamb on the earth, but he is the lion in heaven. He is roaring like a lion on our behalf. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But he is the lion of Judah roaring in darkness. How many of you guys know lions roar in darkness to protect their tribe? He's roaring. Just because the lamb was silent and he, the lamb went to the cross without speaking a word, Jesus went to the cross without saying one word in his defense. Just because there's silence doesn't mean there's no power. God knows. He got this. That's why there's a chaos of Friday, and then there's the silence of Saturday. What's happening on Saturday? Things are happening we don't even know about. That's the mystery. That's why we have to persevere through the silence to get to the resurrection. There's a chaos that happens on Friday. All hell is breaking loose in my life. Then you got to get to the Saturday where there's silence, and you're like, where is God? God's like, shh, I got it. Just wait. Wait and see, Sunday is coming. Romans 8.24 says, hope that is seen is not hope. The hope in the unseen, the thing that is coming, the certainty, hope is not a wish. Hope is the truth that God will surely deliver. He will come. He will come. Amen. In Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, all things. Everybody say all things. All things. You know, I've been like getting into Asian food. And I've been getting into, I am Asian food. I love Asian food. But I've been getting into YouTube videos of how to cook Asian food. How many guys know YouTube is a, it's a great tool for learning? I know you young guys do TikTok. I, I don't know TikTok, but I know YouTube. And I figured out there's all these channels where you can, there's recipes. And, I, and there's all these Korean people who are amazing at cooking with Korean accents. They remind me of, like, my mom can't cook, but they remind me of my grandmother. And she's cooking, and then all these recipes. So I'm, like, trying to make these recipes. And I told my wife, I'm going to make some yukejang. You guys know what yukejang is? Hot spicy beef soup. Anytime I feel lonely or sad, Jesus first and then Yukejang. 
No, my wife second. <laughs> then you get down for fourth. Fourth. Right, honey? Whenever we feel like a little bit bluish, hey, let's get some yuke. Pray to Jesus Christ. Holy, and the Lord says, go get some yuke. So we just eat some yuke. And everything just kind of like all that hot spicy stuff just burns away all my anxiety. That's the power of Korean food, people. Korea, yes. So I was like thinking about the ingredients of the yukejang. <laughs> and the, how do you make the sauce to make it spicy? Did you know that they have to put like gochujang? You guys know gochu? I don't know why I'm saying it like I'm not. Gochujang, 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 you know, the hot spicy. I can't believe it's popular now. When I was growing up, people are like, what is that? When I brought kimchi to school, I brought kimchi to high school one time. All my friends are like, what is that stink? Like, that's how I grew up. I got bullied for bringing kimchi to school. So after that, I just brought peanut butter and jelly for like five years. But now you bring kimchi, you're like, ooh, kimchi, ooh, probiotics. Oh. So dumb. Why can't I live in, anyways. So gochujang, and then there's dark soy sauce. You have to mix it with mirin and... You have to mix it. The, the sauce, you cannot eat by yourself. You cannot eat the soy sauce alone. How many of you guys ever tried to eat soy sauce, drink soy sauce? Do not do it. You could die. Do not, and especially the dark soy sauce, you could get sick and die. How many of you guys know there are dark soy sauce seasons of our lives? Where you, you just drink that alone, you can get sick and die. When God says he works all things, he's mixing everything together and bringing a good picture so you can have something prepared for you that you never imagined. That's the power of God and that's the plan of God. You can't, you can't deconstruct your life and then just piecemeal something in a moment and say, that's the Lord, that's wow. And you eat that and you ingest that and go, that's God, where is God? And you just, you just dwell on that and you're marinating on that and you're drinking that. And the Lord says, don't drink that. That's just an ingredient for what God is going to do. You may be going through a season in your life that's not good. You may be going through a hard time, dark season. But God is saying, that's just a dark soy sauce. I'm just an ingredient for you because I'm making something that you can't even imagine right now. you got to endure the Saturday for the resurrection to happen. Can you put a picture of the Dow Jones? You guys know what this is? You guys into finance? Somebody shout it out. You, know, you don't know finance? This is the Dow Jones. You guys know Dow Jones stock market? Since 1789, it was, if you look at it, there's dips and valleys. That's why my financial planner always like, never get out, stay. Steve, just stay in. Don't get scared. Do not have fear. Just stay in. Because on the long run, you're always going up. And I looked at that. I'm not, I'm not promoting investing into the stock market. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like the Lord is like this. From beginning of your life to the end of your life, 
you, if you look at it carefully, you will see that there's some dips in your life. There's some hard seasons. But at the end of your life, on your deathbed, you will see God is good. I've been on the upswing my whole life. I've been blessed more than I have been cursed. And even in the curses, he've turned into blessing. I did not know what the plan was. I had to endure the silence of Saturday and trust the voice of God and not rely upon the voice of the enemy that says, God has abandoned you. Amen. That's why the game is never over. As long as I'm breathing in this life, it's never over. The game is not over. I'm an eternal optimist. If Tiger Woods is like 15 down and there's 15 holes to play, I believe he can come back. People are like, you are so stupid. Look, he's limping. He can't even. But I just believe. I think anything can happen. If the Toronto Maple Leafs are down 5 nothing in game seven of the Stanley Cups and there's five minutes to go, I'd be, I'm like, they can score every minute. I calculate. They can score. We can win in overtime. That's how I, I'm just an eternal optimist. I just believe. That's faith. If I can believe that about sports, I can believe that about life. I believe, I believe the Lord is all about the comeback. He sets things up in our lives for a comeback. And my wife and I, and I've taught my kids to believe in this one thing. God is the God of the comeback. The enemy said, I had you. I have you. I got you. I got you. What are you going to do now? That's when we rejoice. I laugh at the face of the enemy. Oh, enemy, do you not remember the resurrection? Do you not remember Jesus Christ who died and then he resurrected? You, death couldn't hold, hold them down. You could not hold them down because you were a fool. You thought you won, but you lost. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get the last laugh. That's why repentance is laughter. Can you guys just really think about what repentance is? It's not like tears of sorrow, worldly sorrow, because you feel guilty. I feel so bad. God, forgive me. No, God forgives you. Just rely upon the cross. I forgive God, forgive me, and he forgives you. He covers grace upon your life. But God, is, Jesus is more interested in you aligning to his purpose in his heart. And so repentance for me is joy. Repentance for me is like, yeah, I might feel sad, but I know that joy comes in the morning. That's why Jesus endured the cross, for the joy set before him. That's why for me, it's like, ha, ha, ha. That's how I know I'm in the presence of God. Because if I can pray, I can get there, I can just renew my mind, I can get there in my hot tub, I start by myself going, ha, 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 ha. I just laugh and I just say, you, th you think you got me, but I just like give you a little... My dad used to give people the finger like this. He used to drive around Toronto and he'd be, get so mad. He'd be like, Dad, you're telling them they're number one, Dad. And they're like, thank you. I'm like, Dad, that's not the right. Anyway, never mind. It's you giving the finger to the enemy. Can I say that? 
When the enemy's got you down and you feel terrible and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You're in the Saturday, oh, you're the Saturdays of your life, the soy sauce moments of your life. What is going on? And you're trying to drink it and you're drinking it and you're just talking about it and how God has abandoned you and like, where is God? And you're, you're drinking that soy sauce is making you more sicker and sicker. And the Lord is saying, stop drinking that soy sauce. It's just an ingredient for something that's come later. And you tell the enemy, hey, Get out of my life. Ha ha. Jesus resurrected. Mm. Seven eyes. Seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits. It actually is a figure of speech for the perfect spirit, the Holy Spirit that is released throughout the earth. He did not abandon us. He didn't just go up and go, hey, guys, you're on your own now. I did my part. You do your part. No, he said, no, don't hold on to me, woman. When Mary tried to hold on to him, he said, teacher, where are you going? He said, don't hold on to me. I got to ascend so I can also now send the Holy Spirit. He is with us. Jesus was the exegesis of God. That's the first thing I learned. First John, I mean, John 1 is that Jesus, Jesus explained God. That word in the Greek is exegesis, exegete, dissected God. Jesus dissected God, according to the Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit is the exegesis of Jesus. When you see the Holy Spirit, you see Jesus. And you see the Father. That's the triune nature of God. His presence alone is the power. His presence is wisdom. His presence is our provision. His presence is everything. That's why when you go to church, it's not just principles we're trying to learn. We're inviting his presence. Because in his presence, all things are possible. We don't have power like a tool we can use. God, give me power so I can use it. This power is not a, it's not a power tool. The power of God is in the person. How many guys want to see amazing things happen in our church and in the city of Vancouver? No, <laughs> you really want to see? Raise your hands. Uh, it's not going to come through your power, your wisdom. It's going to come through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what you need? The presence of God. Invite the presence of God. And if you're going through a soy sauce season, invite the presence of God to remind you it's just an ingredient. If, you're go if you need a miracle, you need some breakthrough, invite the presence of God. The presence of God is going to give you the breakthrough. It's the presence of God that's going to give you a phone call and say, hey, I was, I was thinking about you and you need a job. Here's a job. How many guys want that? You hate your job, and you're like, God, I need a breakthrough. It's not going to be you working all hard and get, making all your resumes, and so that's your work. And then you work your work, and then you think, oh, and then you just like put it.